I want you to, to start, I want you to imagine, before I do that, how, let me ask this question. How many of you, like in your walk with God or in life or whatever it is, you have an imagination of this perfect self that you're going to be one day? like the perfect parent, the perfectly patient, like how many of you have got this like avatar in your mind that is like completely perfect? In my perfect avatar, I'm, I am um, always patient with my kids. I am um, always loving, just caring for people everywhere on the, you know, you know, inviting people into my home, you know, sleep on my bed, I'll sleep on the floor, um, giving away 95% of my money to everyone else. And anyway, you get the idea. Like, I, we have this, like, perfect. And so I want you to just imagine, close your eyes, and imagine your perfect self. Just for a moment. All right, how many of you have got, like, throw out a word that describes perfect you. Impossible, I like it. <laughs> Intentional, there's one. Stable. Carefree. At rest. Successful. All right, now I have to admit, I was baiting you a little bit. Um, how many of you have been able to achieve this perfect self yet? You, you, you've done this. I, I like, you know, the Power Rangers as a kid. Uh, whenever the really big bad guy came about, not only could they transform into their, like, machine self, they could transform together into, what was it, Megla, Megalodon? Is that, yeah. No, that's a shark, yeah. <laughs> that is a shark, a prehistoric shark. But no, they, they were able to fully realize perfect self in the moment. And I, I'm going to be transparent with you because this is something I do, is that I think that we have this picture of our perfect self envisioned in our minds. And I do think that God wants to give us, He gives us clear pictures of righteousness, peace, joy, love. He gives us clear pictures of what? growing and maturity looks like. But I think that sometimes we get a perfect picture in our minds of who we are to be, and we end up idolizing our potential, and it distracts ourselves away from the work of God and where He's at work in our lives. Um, I was uh, reading this proverb the other day, and I've read the proverb a number of times, and it was in the Abide Journal, and it stuck out to me in a new way. It's Proverbs 21, 5. It says, the plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. So I want to look at this first line of this. It says, the plans of the dil diligent lead surely to to plenty. When you hear the word diligent, what comes to your mind? Any, any thoughts? Any hard work? Hard work. Yeah, that's what that was the first thing that came to my mind was hard work, discipline. Um, yeah, I, I think that those things are part of it. The the thing that I think that was probably hard work's one of the first things that came to my mind. But 
the interesting thing in the scripture is that diligence is contrasted with hastiness. Like we might contrast diligence with laziness, but Solomon does not contrast diligence with laziness. He contrasts it with hastiness. He could have compared it to a lot of things, but he compared it to being hasty. And so when I think about that, I realize what the proverb is calling for is not for us to enter into an exhaustive work, but for us to enter into a, a slow work. How many of you, like, have you ever done anything hasty where you just, like, you did a whole bunch of things in a day? Like, you, you just, you were like, yeah, I'm just going to get it done. And it, I just think it's interesting here that diligence is contrasted not with, not with that which is um, lazy, but with that which was hasty. I, I want you to think about this text, not just about financial wealth and poverty, but about a life abundance or poverty. Like, think about it like this, that if we are going to grow spiritually, like, there's a, there's a hasty type of focus of growth, and then there's a diligent focus of growth. And so I want to talk today about how I think God wants to grow us slowly. If, if you don't think that God works in slowness, um, then in comparison to how man works, then let me just take you through a few things. What, in, the, in the very beginning of the garden, we have a story of man falling into sin. Now, if I were the master planner, and I was the master creator, as soon as Adam and Eve fell into sin, I know there's about to be billions and billions of lives that are going to come from them. What would, what would I do? I'd be like, all right, we're going to just like rewind, back it up, like we're going to start you back over, kind of like the levels in Mario. Like we, I, We're not going to let all of this stuff happen. But the way that God works... I don't know why he works the way he works always, but the way that he works was he actually put out a plan for he would have Adam would have a son and their son would have a son and their son would have a son. Eventually they would turn into a nation. It would turn into a people and they would build all these prophetic words through God. And eventually he would reveal Jesus and then Jesus' work would be revealed through thousands and thousands of years. And that's how God kind of solves the problem. I would have been a button pusher, and yet, like, God does things slowly. Think about, think about the womb. When we have children, we have this, you know, we have these two cells that come together and form a zygote, which is like this infinitely small form of life that starts growing. And over nine months, I can assure you, having you know, been married to a woman who's pregnant three times that most most women would prefer that pregnancy to go faster than nine months. Like, and then God gives us these children that over over year upon year upon year they grow, they grow slowly. Think about how God has worked in your own life. Like how many things that have been substantive in you, he has grown quickly. Raise your hand. I, I wouldn't say this. I would say that God works slowly. 
Whatever you, let me say it like this, whatever you are working slowly towards is probably the thing you're, most, you're working most truly towards. And so I want to I have you stop and ask the question. We started with an imagination. And I want you to just stop and ask this question with the Holy Spirit. What are you working slowly towards right now? Not what are you trying to fix quickly, but what are you working slowly towards? When I think about what I'm working slowly towards versus what I imagine myself urgently working towards, it's things that happen daily. It's things that are persistent or going, going on incrementally. And I think we often idolize this future person we imagine ourselves we can be. And when we do that, we sort of, we sort of can't, let go and take a hold of God's incremental slow work in our hearts. Um, I'll tell you a quick story. A couple years ago, I had mentioned to, I wish he was here. I was going to pick on him while he was here. But I had mentioned to Ryan Brewer that I wanted to have a patio in my backyard. And Ryan is one of the most generous people with his time and his life that I know. And so when he heard me say that he want, I wanted a patio, and I think I might have mentioned that I wanted to like put a fire pit in the patio, he interpreted that as Jordan wants a fire pit in his backyard. And so he got people together. It's one of the most generous gifts I've ever been given. He got a whole bunch of people to put money into getting this, this fire pit, and then we were going to, then I, I was like, okay, well, we actually have to build a patio. So we went and purchased the stuff to build the patio part of this. And whenever I now have a patio and, a, and the fire pit that Ryan and I are going to build, well, this is going to take dozens and dozens of hours. And so we've got all these supplies here, and uh, we start hauling in all this stuff. We start bringing in brick. And I don't know how long we took, but we took like, you know, five to ten hours a week for a couple of months putting this thing together. And it actually ended up being this wonderful thing that we use and it's like one of the great blessings in our, our home. And But what happened during that time is that God really bonded the relationship with me, with Ryan and me together. Because like there just aren't like bonds don't happen quickly, they happen slowly. And I think one of the things that we underestimate in life with God is that we can, especially in 21st century consumeristic understanding and like product-oriented, get things done, get things complete, we can think that the main goal of God is to bring us to our imaginative, perfected future as quickly as possible. But actually, like what the proverb says, God's goal is not to work hasty, but it's to work diligent and slow. And the reason I think that he likes to work diligent 
and slow is because what happens when you work slowly with some, with, with, on something with someone? You become bonded to them. And so I want to read to you from James 1, 2 through 8. And what I'm really encouraging you to think about this morning is to move away from this idea of urgency in our spiritual life to this idea of slowness. James 1, 2 through 8 says, My brethren, count it all joy. When John Wallace read this scripture, he said, Joy! Like, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let listen to this phrase. I think this phrase is really powerful. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything for the Lord. He is double-minded and unstable in all his ways. We'll come back to the prayer part, but I want us to think about this phrase. Let patience, let patience have its perfect work. Um, in Matthew 13, 5 through 6, I'll, I'll, I'll read this real quick. Jesus is telling a parable. He and I'm going to put on four soils. I'm going to focus on the second one for just a moment. He says, some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth in them. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. I think that even a lot of times we celebrate this type of growth. But speed is more often evidence of lack of depth rather than genuine, lasting fruitfulness. How many of you have ever seen something in somebody else's life, in your own life, that it just went boom, it came up, and you were just like, oh yes. I think that rapid growth is almost always, not always, but almost always overestimated. And I, it's one of the things that Ryan's uh, fire pit gift brought to me was that that thing was not going to happen quickly. Like it was going to be slow. And when we allow for the slowness of God's work to happen, there is a bond that's formed as the working is happening. What, what trusting in the slow working of God is, is that we let go of outcomes, and we choose relationship over outcomes. God is more interested in spending time with us than finishing the patio of our lives. Like, He's more interested in the slow work. And so, so God, He works slow, like, not because He's a trickster, <laughs> but because He loves us and He wants to be with us. And so, I just, like, in, in my life over the last number of years, what I've realized is, is I, if I let go of outcomes and I choose the good and better portion of His presence and His nearness, then I always live in a deeper rest. I choose to partner not with the rapid, quick growth of God because like the quick growth is, is in the shallow soil. But the slow growth 
is in the good soil. Amen? So I just think He wants relationship with us more than He wants perfection in us. Um, let me read, this, read the Scripture again. My brethren, count it all joy when you, face, when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to you. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not the man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and unstable in all he does. So, there's the slow journey that we are on with God. And what God wants us to do, rather than imagine, as Zane sang in, in this spontaneous song, rather than like try to fix ourselves or imagine where we should be, what God wants us to do in the slow work of our faith is to make demands upon His wisdom and prayer. Like, my wisdom... My wisdom can tell me all of what I think I should be, but God's wisdom can come guide me directly, slowly, exactly as I am. It, like If you feel like an impatient parent, God is simply waiting. He, he's, not, he's not just looking for you to try to figure out what a patient parent looks like, but He's waiting for you to pray and say, God, give me wisdom. And not just pray once, but to keep praying as patience has its time to complete its work in you. So I, wanna, I want to um, read further. Um, I want to read further into this parable of Jesus. In Matthew 13, 7-8 it says, And some fell among thorns. So this is, this is the... Uh, the same parable. Jesus is telling a parable of seed falling into different different uh, soils. And, it, and in verse 7 through 8 it says, And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Who has ears to hear, let him hear. So I'm going to read to you Jesus' interpretation of his own parable. He says, Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone who hears the word of the kingdom and does not, does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what is in his heart. This is he who received the seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed in the stony places, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, he immediately stumbles. Now he who received seed among the word immediate now he who he who I lost myself here. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and care and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives the seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understands it who indeed bears fruit and produces some hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. So I want you to see this because I think this is where most Christians live 
or, or most people who've walked with God in patience live. If you're going to be patient in the slow work of God in your life, there are really only two possibilities. You're either in good soil that grows up and bears fruit, or you're a plant that grows up over time and is choked by thorns. And I would actually argue that all of us are a little bit of both of these. Like, the good soil is unimpeded with fruitfulness, but there is a type of growth in God where we grow patiently, and it happens slowly, but we're, we're choked out by the thorns. Now, we're going camping in a few weeks down in Bazat, which is land my, uh, my grandfather who's passed away. He owned this land. His father owned the land. So my great-grandfather. And actually his, his father worked on the land. And it was the place that my family grew up for several generations. And so I've gotten to go down there quite a lot. And one of the things that I think about on an almost weekly basis that bothers me is my papal was one of the most meticulous, conscientious men. Like, I feel like most of the conscientious people, if I'm honest, are women. Like, the people that care about things being, like, done the best in the right way. Most of the time, it's not dudes. I'm just going to be honest with you. But my papal was this incredibly detailed, meticulous, conscientious. Like, anytime I'd go down, he'd make sure and turn the water on, make sure and turn it off, make sure and lock the gate, put the key up. Like, he, he wanted things done a certain way. And because he's not around and because none of us live down there, there are these um, thorns that are now and these like overgrowth that's now growing on the trails that he cut out for us to, to walk on. And it's enough acres that there's a part of the property that's never been cared for. And at the very back of the property, I remember I would go try to walk there as a kid. And the very back of the property, I promise you it's crazy, like the part where nobody walks on, it is literally covered in thorns. So I don't know what things were like in Israel 2,000 years ago, but it's something similar to East Texas because there are thorns, like you get out far enough away, there are, there are thorns everywhere where the land is not tended. And if you've ever done any type of gardening for any length of time, you will find out that in every part of, every, like I don't care where you're at, for any land, anything you grow, there is something that will grow near it, wild, that will make it less fruitful. How many of you have done, done any gardening? And these things, it's not like, you know, there's the lucky land and the unlucky land. Any land that is uncared for over time will have things that choke out that which is supposed to be fruitful. And I think there's some land I would say that's harder, like that, that grows more thorns. And I would say like in our culture, in the time we live in, there are way more worries of this world and concerns of this world that are presented to us than maybe any other time. So there's, there's always going to be thorns, but in some places thorns grow really easy. And I think that we need to recognize that the worries of the world are very strong in our current culture. But I, I think what God is saying in this scripture is that you're going to grow in me slowly. And over time, if the soil is not cared for, there are going to be things that will choke 
you out. And what we have a tendency to do, I don't know, I've just seen this. It's just my intuition. You can tell me I'm wrong. But what I've seen people do is over time, as thorns grow up and start choking out the fruitfulness, what we tend to do is sort of idolize or admire the second soil that grows up really quick in joy, gets excited, and but dies away. We're like, oh, I just want some of that quick growth joy stuff. Because this slow, long growth stuff, this is thorns and terrible. And like, it's just hard. How many of you have ever done this? How many of you have like a hard season where it was slow and it was unfruitful? And you're like, just give me some of that awesome for a moment. But awesome, every moment, isn't usually sustainable. I think... What is sustainable, what Jesus is calling us to, is to be those who do the slow work with God. And as we do the slow work with God, we let Him come and remove the thorns. And what Jesus says are the thorns are the deceitfulness of riches, the cares of this world. Like, how many of you, how many of you have some of these thorns in your life? I'll tell you a thorn. I'll tell you thorns in my life. I'm worried. I grew up in a home where there was financial success. I'm worried that I'm going to be a financial failure and I'm not going to be able to provide for my family. I think about that on an almost daily basis. And it really negatively affects me. How many of you worry about that? I worry about it regularly, like just I can't, the word regularly, it's such a hard word to say. But I, I think about it all the time. Like, sometimes when we read the deceitfulness of riches, we can just think, oh, the, the nice things, the cool things. But sometimes the deceitfulness of riches is worrying about them constantly. How many of you worry about, like, I worry, like, am I going to be a failure as a pastor? How many of you worry about failure and just like the things that you put your hands to? There are all these things that look mainly like worries and desires. There are these desires that we have that aren't the best desires. And they create in us worry. And there are all these things and they just choke out the slow work of God. And we live in this perpetual cycle of give me some of that joy soil and not letting God do the the slow work of removing the thorns. Like if you're going to be on this path with God, there's going to be things that grow up in your soil that aren't going to be the best. And you need God to come in. How many of you have been able to remove them yourself? I've tried. It doesn't work. The only thing I know to do, like I'm soil, I'm just like sitting here like, this is soil right here, like <laughs> I can't do any, you know, can't do any thorn removing. But, but God, who, who is a gardener, He can come and do it. And so I, um, I want to take us into this question with the Lord. And I feel like if you can figure out what you're worried about, you can probably figure out pretty closely to what is choking you. I want us just to ask this question from the Lord. What, is, what are the worries or the care for riches or the worries of this world that are choking us out? 
I want, I want us just to ask the Holy Spirit this question. And just let Him speak. And so let's just take a moment, ask Him that question. While you're praying and you're sitting there, if, you, if, if the Lord identifies something to you that is a worry that's choking you, just raise your hand. Just say, the Lord showed me something. Wait about me if you feel like the Lord highlighted something, some sort of worry, some sort of care. Okay. I, I want us to pray for a moment um, that the Lord would come and cut these things out of our life. Whenever I was praying in, uh, when I was praying in here before, before worship, I had this picture in my mind. And when my papa was still alive, one of the things that we would go do every two to three years is we would do a land clearing. And, you know, in the land clearing, you go, you go pull out thorns from the roots and you would, there would be like this kind of underbrush and like dead stuff that if there wasn't a burn ban on, you would control burn it. Like, and we would just like, we would have like our family members from down there out there. We would, we would have to, you'd have 10 of you out there and you just, you'd burn for a while and you'd put it out so that it wouldn't get out of control, and you'd just spend all day burning stuff. And I just felt like that there's so much in Scripture that invites us to, to take, to, to capture the thoughts that enter our minds that aren't of Him. And I just, I had this picture, I was imagining being next to my papa with, with an axe or with a hoe or whatever it was, and we're just digging out thorns, not from the top, but from the root. And we took all that stuff and went and burned it. And I'm just praying that there's going to be a burning party of bad thoughts. Because right at the end of that, you take all the brush and you take all that stuff and you go let it, you go watch it burn in a big heap. And it's pretty awesome. And so I'm just, that's what I'm praying. And so, Lord, I just pray 
for every person in this place, God, that you would allow us to stay faithful on the slow, unexciting work. And that we would be willing to let you come in and dig up roots to burn that which is, which is not of you. That we might be fruitful a hundred, sixty, thirty fold. That we might be fruitful exactly as you've intended us. I pray that we would not get enamored by that which is quick and fast and obvious immediately, but that we would be committed to the slow and diligent work that produces plenty. And so, Lord, we thank you that your spirit, that you have, that you have worked in this way from the very beginning. We bless you in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. So I'm going to read to you a poem that I wrote this morning. And Zane has an announcement. I'm going to let him come up and, and give just after that. Here's my, here's my deal. At the beginning of the year, I, we write these plans based on focuses that we feel like God has given us. And I had two focuses this year. Sometimes some year it's one, some year it's two, it's never three. And the two I wrote down were, I want to be better at helping people shepherd other people's lives. That's like, I, my focus is I want to equip people to shepherd people well. We've talked all about that this year. And the other thing I felt like is that I wanted to provoke people to, be, to fall in love with the beauty of God. And I had written all these things that I wanted to do. And in the middle of the summer, one of them was I just wanted to write a poem every week. In the middle of the summer, I hadn't done this part of the plan. And so I was just like, you know what? I just need to focus on the shepherding thing. And I'm just going to nix this part of the plan. And... Since I nixed that, started to plan, I just sort of been, been spontaneously writing poems every day. And so it's kind of all come back to me. Um, and part of the thing about writing um, a poem every day is that there's a willingness to create in a way that's incomplete and not perfect that I think God calls us to this slow process of growing. And so for me, sharing you a poem that I've uh, uh, just a just a draft of a thought is is just is my way of saying I want to submit to God's slow working in my life. And so here's my poem. This poem is called Help Me Lord. <laughs> I don't have to say anything else. <laughs> That's it. That's the whole poem. (laughs) Help me, Lord. I never know how to help myself. I never know how to help myself fully. You have all wisdom and all grace and all mercy. Remove these thorns that choke me, even the thorns that I think bless thee. Disturb the soil that it may be new. Do what is painful and good in my heart. Open me to rain and sun. And let me trust the pure process. That process which has shaped and reshaped the world in patience since the first fog lifted off the morning dew. You are good. Help me to trust you.